This is a podcast of Forest Lake Baptist Church Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit our Facebook page or our website at flbc.org.au. We hope you're blessed by this message. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you that we can express your love to one another in word and deed. Thank you that we can share in our brothers and sisters around the world by praying for them, and we do that now. And we pray for our our governors at every level of government. We pray for good and wise government in this country. And Lord, as we open your word together now, we pray that you would speak to us. As we say so often, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Christ's name, amen. Just on another note, today is Vision Sunday, but it's also an anniversary for us as a church. Uh, Catherine pointed out uh, this morning, she discovered, remembered, that it is five years ago today that we had our first ever two morning services. We went from one morning service to two morning services, and God has been so good to us in that five years. We've seen COVID in that five years, and yet God has continued to bless this church. Amen. It's been a good five years. Today is Vision Sunday, and one of the things we're looking at is not just what's the vision for this year, which we've already talked about a fair bit, which is our eyes are on you, Lord. We're also talking about the vision for the church for the next season of the church, five years, six years. And there's four words that have kept coming up for us as a leadership about who does God want us to be? What's the direction he wants us to take? Where should we put our emphasis in the next five odd years? And the four words that keep coming up are seen in the community, reflecting our community, serving our community and shaping our community. And today we're going to look at what it means to be seen in our community. A few weeks ago, I uh, got a phone call from a guy who is a part, another pastor, and he said, uh, after 20-odd years of our church having to move constantly to different venues, uh, he leads an ethnic church, and so often for our ethnic brothers and sisters churches, they don't get, ever get a permanent venue like we've had for the blessing of this place, and they have to constantly move around, and that's been their story. He rang me up and said, at the end of last year, we got this amazing opportunity. We were rung by a church that uh, was struggling, and they said, we have heard of your story. We would love for you to just take over our building. It's yours. And they were like, hallelujah, that's awesome. So they've done that. They, They took it over at the end of last year, and the people who gave it to them said, you do whatever you want with it. It's yours now. Praise God. Hand it over. And he said, come and see what we've done with it. It was a bit bit of a bad state. We fixed it up. We'd love, uh, you know, come and have a look. So I went over this one day, we had a coffee and went out a look. And what struck me is we walked, we had a coffee a couple of doors down and it's in a fairly sketchy area in his words. As we walked up to the building, he said, the first thing I noticed was they have built this big metal black fence around the whole building with points on the end like you have around the school. I said, what's with the fence, mate? He said, oh, we turned up and the first couple of times we arrived, there were like homeless people sleeping on the doorstep. And I said, oh, well, what did you think? Did you think maybe let's give them a shower, let's give them a feed, let's... And he goes, no, 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 because if we do that, they might start coming to our services. So we built a big fence and now we feel safe. Now, I've got a good relationship with this guy, and he has given me the opportunity over the years to speak 
what I believe is truth into his life. And I said, you may feel safe. How do you think you are now seen by this community? He said, what do you mean? What do you think a big black pointy fence says to the community? He said, I think now that you've raised it, it says you're not welcome here. You see, our world, our community has a problem with how they see the church. Most people in surveys will tell you they see the church in one of two ways. Either they see it as benign, it's just there. It's kind of in the background. We used to have a big part in our society, not so much anymore. It's just, you don't think about it. Or because of the, some of the stuff that happened in the Royal Commission, they actually see it as a bad thing. And yet, what Jesus says is about how the church and Christians should be seen in our community is so vastly different than that. And today we're going to look at a passage where Jesus says how we should be seen. It's a passage we seem to come to as a church at least once every 18 months, if not more often. And it comes from the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And it finishes with this phrase, let your light shine that they may see. How are we seen? That's the question of today. And this is what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it under its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we've looked at this passage many times as a church, and usually the way you go through this as a preacher is you first start out looking at salt. What is salt? Well, we know what salt is. And then we say, what is light? And we get all philosophical. We know what light is. The point is not what is salt and what is light. There are some things that are common about salt and light that I think make them a great reason why Jesus chose them as analogies. And is there any surprise the Lord of the universe chooses good analogies? The first thing that's similar about salt and light is, and here it is, this will be mind-bending for you in this profoundness of this statement. Salt is salty because it's salt. I'll just give you a minute. And light shines, ready? Light shines because it's light. Here endeth the lesson. Salt is salty because it's salt, and light is shiny because it's lighting. It's because it is what it is that it shines, and it's salty. The reason people should see Jesus shine through us into our community is because that is who we are. If we are believers, if we are Christians, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we have the Holy Spirit in us now, and he will shine out of us. It reminds me of John the Baptist saying, I must become lesser, he must become greater. Less about me, more about him. I found this photo of this town in Italy, and it just blew me away. It's not a particularly big town, but positioned where it is on the coast at night, apparently the lights just are incredible. 
I want us to be like that. But I don't want them to see my light and I don't want them to see Seb's light or your light. I want them to see Jesus' light through us. I want people to look at us as a church and say, I see Jesus. I want people, if they come to a service or playgroup or ministry, when they leave, not to say, oh man, Forest Lake's a great church or those people are great people, though that's very nice. I want them to say, Jesus is awesome. And a couple of years ago, we had a guy come to our church who uh, was, uh, he was exploring faith and um, he'd never had anything to do with church. And I was talking to him after the service and I said, well, well, how did you find it? He actually rang me before he came to the service and said, I'm coming to your church. Do I need to get a pass or do I need to get an invitation? Do I need to have a QR code? I think at one point was one of his questions. I said, no, mate, you just show up. Everyone is welcome. He said, what time do you open the, uh, the confession doors? Because I've got a bit to go through before I can go into the service. I said, mate, you don't even have to go to confession. He goes, what? You're just going to let me in. I said, brother, we would love for you to come. And we've got food afterwards. He said, sign me up. I'm in. So he turned up. He was part of the service. None of it made sense to him. And afterwards, I was chatting with him, and he said this, I really don't understand much of what was said. I even understood less of what was sung. That was weird. I never sing anywhere. But the people shook my hand. People welcomed me. That hasn't happened to me in a long time. And then he said this, there was something different. Is that not Jesus? That's what I want people to see. Salt is salty because it is salt. Light is lighty because it is light. We get out of the way and let Jesus shine. The second thing about salt and light that is common is that they are there for the benefit of others. Now, unless you're a bit odd, you don't just eat salt by the teaspoon. I mean, that's gross. If you do, come and see me afterwards. We'll pray for you. You don't just eat salt. I know some people who just suck on lemons. That's weird too, but, you know, each to their own. Salt is only good if you have some hot chips for it to go on. Salt is only good when you've got something else to put the salt on. And what does the salt do? The salt makes the thing you put it on better. Light doesn't exist for itself. It exists to shine onto something else. If you shine a torch just up into a night sky, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've ever done it, like I have, and I don't know why I would have done it, but I've done it. If you just shine a torch up into a night sky, what happens? Nothing. If you shine it on the ground as you are walking through the paddock at church camp to make sure you don't step in the cow pats, then it becomes really useful. Light and salt exist for the benefit of others, not for themselves. How can you tell when Christians are walking with Jesus, really walking with Jesus, when a church is really walking with Jesus, everyone else around them benefits. 
There are stories, we shared this last week, and I've shared it many times, of like the, the Welsh revival of judges sitting in the dock with nothing to do because there were no crimes being committed. Everyone else benefits when the church is walking with Jesus. They exist for the benefit of others. That's why Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if, it, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And that phrase there, loses its saltiness, is actually a bit of, that's not really what the original Greek says. It actually, a better translation of that phrase would be, if the salt stops making sense, then throw it out. If the salt stops being what salt is there for, then you might as well chuck it out. Friends, let's be really clear on this Vision Sunday. We said this last week. We're going to say it again. You're going to hear it a lot over February. We do not exist for our benefit. There are thousands of people in this suburb and the suburbs around Forest Lake who are currently going to hell because they don't know Jesus. We exist for them to hear that message, that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he rose again for them, and that he has called them into the family of God. That's what we're here for. That's what you're in your workplaces for. That's what you're in your schools for. That's what you're in your universities for. You're not there just for you. This is where the gospel changes how we understand every part of our lives. When I am a dad, I'm not just a dad for the sake of my kids. I'm there to tell my kids that Jesus loves them. The greatest gift I can give my children is not a great education and teach them how to play cricket, although my boy did pretty well at his first go yesterday. My job fundamentally, if I do nothing else, is to teach them that Jesus is Lord. In our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, in our families, we are salty when we're there for the benefit of others. We don't just go to work to earn a living. We go there to show people Jesus. Salt exists for the benefit of the food. Light exists for the benefit of others. Some years ago when I was leading a youth group, this became really clear to me. The church where I grew up, uh, I'd become a youth leader and we'd built a relationship with the local school chaplain who was a great guy. And he said to me, you're the only youth group in the area. Would it be all right if, if kids are showing interest in God, if I could send them to your youth group? And I was like, yes, please. Yes, please. And he did, right? And it was awesome. We had these kids showing up and they didn't know Jesus and we're telling them about Jesus. They're getting saved. And yeah, okay, some of them are coming and they're a bit rough, a bit ready, but okay. And as it turned out, they were mainly boys. And I had a father of one of the girls from our church come and see me one Sunday and he said to me after the service, come on, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, that's always a good sign. What do you need? He said, I need to talk to you about these boys from the local school coming to the youth group. I said, oh, yeah, it's good, isn't it? He goes, no, it's not. Some of these boys that are coming are my daughter's age. 
your job, and I remember he put, and it's never a good thing when someone puts their finger in your chest, is it? But he did. Your job is to provide a safe place for my girls to find good Christian boys. That's your job. I said, my job is to make a place where young people hear about Jesus, whether they are in the church or not. We really start to get it wrong when we forget that we are here for the benefit of others. And yet, and yet, when we start to do that, it is the most rewarding thing ever. That same youth group a few years before me, um, well, a generation before me, started a soccer team. One of those guys from the local school came to Christ. His name was Lloyd Nicholas. Lloyd Nicholas became a Christian from a non-Christian home, got baptized, went and did a year with uh, OM, which is a ship ministry that goes around the world telling people about Jesus. He went for one year, he stayed for 30, and he helped organize the building of their latest ship. Now he's with the Lord but countless thousands of people have come to know Jesus because of him. That's the legacy I want for us. Generations well beyond us are Christians because of the light that was shone in this place. The third thing that strikes me, and it's always in threes, right? If you're a good Baptist, you always have threes. The third thing that strikes me that is similar about salt and light is that it's always better when it's plural. One grain of salt does nothing. Has anyone ever had that moment when you go to pour the salt on and someone's played the trick on you and left it undone? I have. Not fun. Too much is too much, but if you want salt to work, if you want to make the meal a little bit better, you don't put one grain of salt on that. It's in those chips. Now I feel like chips. Can we have chips for lunch? You get a lot of salt. And then you put a bit more. One light in this picture would not do what that picture does, right? Put all those lights together and look what happens. Yes, you are light and salt in your workplace. Yes, you are light and salt in your school. Yes, you are salt and light wherever you go, wherever I go. But we are better when we do it together. And that requires commitment. Commitment to Jesus and commitment to one another. How we show our love of Jesus is by loving one another. There was a pastor who started at a church some years ago. I don't know if this is a true story, but I've heard it a thousand times from different people. And he got up his first Sunday and he said, and he preached on love one another. And it was a really good sermon. And people came up to him at the door and said, good sermon today, pastor. He said, thanks very much. The next Sunday, he got up and he preached on love one another. Exactly the same sermon. And as people left, they went, it was good last week, still good this week. What's that about? The third Sunday in a row, he got up and preached love one another again. And finally, one of these deacons had enough. And he came as he walked past him at the door. He said, listen, champ, we aren't paying you to do the same sermon every week. What is going on? To which the pastor said, I'll keep preaching it till you start doing it. There's a meme that goes around from time to time of Jesus teaching his disciples and it says, you know that loved one another thing? I actually meant that. How we show our love for Jesus 
is by how we love one another, how we're reconciled, how we forgive. That's why the Sermon on the Mount, just before this, is the Beatitudes. How we live, how we relate to one another is how we shine that light. And in our culture where there is so much fear and so much tribalism, this is where the church can really stand out and show something different. And yet what really inspires me about this passage is how Jesus finishes it. In the same way, let your light shine before others. If we get this right, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the goal, right? It's not for people to walk away saying, oh, Forest Lake Baptist, that's amazing, church. We want them to say, as we've said at the start, we'll say it again. Jesus is amazing. Sociologists have identified two reasons why people will consider Christianity. They call it the push and the pull. The push of what their current worldview is no longer working anymore. But the other part needs to be the pull. And that is them seeing something about Christians and about church and about Christianity that makes them want to come and have a look. We can't do too much about the push. That's for each person to work out in their own lives. But we can do something about the kind of being, the kind of people that make people want to have a look and say, oh, I want to know Jesus as a result. So what does that look like for us? We've already talked about what it means for us individually. Individually, it should be said of Christians in the workplace and in the, in our schools, wow, there's something different about that guy. Some years ago, I was invited by a fellow who uh, had a, someone in their workplace die, and uh, they, actually their kid had died. And he didn't. He knew me as a pastor, and he rang me up, and he said, look, could you meet with this family? And I did, and I conducted their son's funeral. And as I was meeting with them and talking about them, this lady, the mother of the fellow that had died, said to me about my mate, the Christian guy, he is what I imagine Christians ought to be like. And he makes me think about it. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was said of all of us? He makes me think. What does it mean for us as a church? It means, first of all, how we live and serve and love one another actually matters. Being in life group actually matters. Serving one another in ministry. We don't put the rosters up and we say, oh, we need people to step up in this area, this area, this area. We don't say that because we just want to fill a roster. We put those things up because we say that's how we serve one another. You'll notice in our church, we don't use the phrase volunteer. Because you don't volunteer in a family, you just do your bit. And that's what we're asking everyone to do this Vision Sunday. What, what is your bit that you can do? What's your part that you can play? You might say, I can't do much. Well, do what you can. But it's as we work together, serve together, love one another, that's how we show Jesus. But the second thing is this. How we shine our light to others matters. That's why the working bee on the 2nd of March matters. Because that's how we'll shine our light. It's why having a social media profile matters to let people know that we are here. We met a lady a few weeks ago as she came to a service who said, I've lived in Forest Lake for 14 years. I didn't know there was a Baptist church in Forest Lake. People have got to see us, right? And she saw us on social media and she came and people were friendly. Not rocket science. But in the future, 
one of the big goals we have for the next season of our church is it's time for us as a church to have a ministry hub. Not necessarily a place where we go and move from here on a Sunday, but somewhere where Monday through Saturday we can have a physical place in this community where we can show people the love of Jesus. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. I have no idea. But I know this. If God is for us, who can be against us? And if this is God's will, he will make it happen. And so our focus for 2024 is this. Our eyes are on you, Lord. You'll notice when you get the focus card today on your way out, the design hasn't changed much. Thank you, Trudy, for doing it again. Because we don't really feel like there's a big, significant need of change of direction for us as a church, right? But what we can be doing more of together is prayer. Because at the end of the day, it's not our light we want people to see. It's Jesus. And so we are asking you this year to make prayer a priority in your homes, In if you're in a ministry group, praying together and coming to the prayer meetings on the first Sunday of every month so that we can hold up Jesus to this community and hold this community up to Jesus. What's God going to do in terms of ministry hubs? I don't know. What's God going to do about the, the chaos in our community? I don't know, but he's got a plan. What's he going to do about reaching capacity as a service on a Sunday morning? I don't know, but God's got a plan. And so our call to every one of us this year is this. Join us in praying that prayer. Our eyes are on you, Lord. And let's see what he does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that it's not our light that shines out of us. It's Jesus' light. Thank you that we don't have to somehow manufacture our own. Thank you that you say you are the salt, you are the light. It's not something we have to become, we already are. Thank you that you already have a plan for this community. You have a plan, not just for Forest Lake, but all the suburbs represented in this room. You have a plan and you are good and nothing will thwart you. So we say today, Lord, with the questions we have into the future, our eyes are on you, Lord. We say with um, Scripture, we don't know what to do on many of these questions, but our eyes are on you. We want to see the name of Jesus lifted up, not just in Forest Lake, but in every suburb represented in this room in every workplace represented in this room, in every school represented in this room, in every social group. We want to see Jesus lifted up and it's his light, his soul, him that people see in us. And so we start with prayer, Lord. Because we remember Moody's words, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. And so today, Lord, we resolve to be those kneeling figures. Use us, Lord and do something incredible in our time, not for our sake, but for the sake of the name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.